0: Hi, I'm Brett Terpstra, and this is Systematic on 5x5. Bandwidth for September is sponsored by Igloo. Igloo is your digital workplace, and that means you can give updates, have discussions, and share files with your team all in one place. Sign up and get started at igloosoftware.com slash 5x5. I'm here this week with Stephen Hackett from 512pixels.com. It's .com, right? It is .net. (sighs) I'm a hipster. Hipster. yeah i actually own a net for my domain but i don't use it um but i felt like if i was cool i should have it and there aren't that many brett go. terpsters in the world so it was available
1: um there's not there's not a backlog of people trying to buy the domain no there are a lot of
0: terpster domains but not brett terpster anyway at 512 pixelsnet that's 512px.net and uh, ISMH on Twitter if you're looking for him there, uh, and he's currently uh, an IT and multimedia tech support guy, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So I've run the um, uh, pretty good sized IT multimedia department for a nonprofit uh, here in my hometown of Memphis.
0: And I specifically noted from our conversation earlier
1: that you are not selling drugs. There, there I have not. Um, I have not gone down the Walter White road. That is excellent. Thank you. And
0: you're you have a book um, about being a genius, uh, an Apple genius, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So before this, um, worked uh, at local Apple store and uh, ended up being the lead Mac genius for a little while. And uh, just wrote a little collection of stories about you know people coming in and it's a, like any other retail job. It's you see a lot of interesting people from all different parts of life. And you see people on their best days and on their worst days. And so I just shared some of my experiences. Do
0: you think, and I I haven't read your book, for which I apologize, if I were doing my research, I would read guest books. But um, do you think that the interesting people that show up in an Apple store are different from the interesting people that would show up in, say, a Blackberry store?
1: You know, I think that, uh, you know, obviously with Apple, and and I left now uh, over four years ago. So it was kind of before the iPhone was humongous, but you know, you had a lot more kind of like college kids and maybe young people in less suits than you would at like a rim genius bar. But that's changing. And I think Apple's definitely a lot more corporate, both in and of itself and its customer base. than it was when I was there, you know, four or five, six years ago. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I think, uh, I think you still probably see the hipper suits, if you will. I think there's a definite, like the people that actually go into Apple stores and just browse around are a different type of person and I'm not making a judgment either way. Just definitely, uh, feels like a slightly different world to me, but maybe, I'm maybe I've been like locked in the Apple world so long that I can't, uh, objectively observe anymore. (laughs) Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it's weird looking at it, you know, trying to be trying to write about it, especially like trying to, you know, use my experience to my advantage, but remembering that I haven't been there in a long time. So a lot of things have changed. And I mean, being an Apple guy doesn't mean what it used to mean. Right. It's a lot more mainstream. That's a very weird thing to me.
0: It's actually it's a cool thing now. I think Uh, it seems to be my perception of other people's perception that owning a Mac and using Apple products is way more uh, socially acceptable than it used to be. I I used to hate Mac like uh irrationally so uh as a as a high schooler I was building my own PCs and I de- despised everything Apple like yeah, it was for weirdos. I didn't start with Mac until I was uh 22 I think. Okay.
1: My story is is kind of similar I grew up in a PC only household and I had friends with Macs, but like they were weird and like their parents were hippies maybe. And so they had Macs, um, but I didn't. And then in high school, um, uh, was introduced to the Mac, um, in my college in my high school newspaper, uh, experience and I fell in love with it and really haven't looked back. So you,
0: you just Skyped me in the background and, uh, I, I feel horrible now because you told me that uh it's not five twelve px.net. It's five twelve pixels spelled out. And I'm I know I'm not the first person to have made this mistake. You you I've seen
1: you correct people before and I still didn't uh didn't remember. If you go to five twelve px.net, it's definitely in Japanese. Like it's the one variant of the domain I don't own because this Japanese company keeps renewing it. I think it's Japanese. Can, it's on, do you, do you know what it says? Do you read Japanese? Oh, it's in Chinese. You just said it was definitely Japanese. It's Chinese. Google Chrome says this page is in Chinese. Let's try let's translate it. I'm just gonna translate this live on the air. Uh it is a public school education training school for teachers. Oh man, now I feel kind of bad. Well I'll, good for I'll them. Let that go. Good for them. They're helping they're helping kids. Alright,
0: so we'll send a little traffic their way, but the actual show notes will link to five twelve pixels net. Pixels. Pixels. All right. Um yeah, so we we were talking Apple, we were talking PCs and then uh, things got crazy, but um uh, there was some uh product announcement. Was it last week?
1: Mm, yeah.
0: Did you watch the live blogs?
1: Uh, I did and uh congratulations, yours was awesome. Stayed up. I don't think I had any problems.
0: It they were they were all awesome. Everyone at this this round despite in tremendous traffic. Across the internet, everyone did a really good job of blogging this event—the uh, Apple keynote. Um, I was impressed. I didn't see anyone really crash and burn. It feels like Apple has uh, Apple has raised the bar for live blog events to the point where everyone has decided they absolutely have to improve their software and their backends. It's i i i attribute it. I attribute uh, massive improvements in web graphics and. Uh, back-end software for live blogging both to apple almost entirely
1: yeah i can see that i mean because if, if you can stand up to an apple event you can stamp anything right like
0: that's the gold standard exactly it's the it's the new bar that everyone has
1: to meet anyway this this iphone did you get one i did i um uh, much to my wife's disbelief, set my alarm for three o'clock in the morning and, uh, got up and stumbled into the living room and ordered one. Um, really? And, uh, I have to say, you know, uh, when I was at Apple, I was a hardware guy, always been a hardware guy. And so I was really excited to see them push the hardware in some new directions. Um, it's really a fantastic device. Like it's the S was no slouch. I mean, it's not like they were making it out of 10 cans and string, but the five is so much better in every way. It's, it's almost hard to believe.
0: I, uh, I'm the guy who buys everything six months after. It's not that I don't love. Gotcha. I don't, it's not that I don't love the technology. I absolutely adore my toys. I just don't have that drive to stand in lines or get up at three in the morning. I don't know. I can't explain why I don't, it's not a personal, like, uh, some kind of moral standard or anything. I just, I don't know. I chill.
1: Yeah, I've never done it uh until I did it with the first iPad. I went to the store and bought one on day one. Um, but that was really the kind of the gateway. And then once you kind of become like the early adopter guy, like in your circle of friends or whatever, um, it's kind of fun. Like it's fun to um to be the first. And like I know that's super like first word problem, like nerdy issue to have, like someone has the phone before me. And I don't mean it that way. It's just it's fun to kind of be in on the front lines something.
0: Yeah, like I uh I, I definitely don't want to become that person because it gets expensive. Yes, it does. <laughs> so, so you're going to, so you're going to wait? Yeah, I'm going to wait. It's not that I'm shy about spending money on things that I know that I will benefit from. It's uh, it just, I like to, I like to space those expenditures out and not be on someone else's schedule. But I will, I'll be ordering one uh, in the next, uh, probably, week or two um not my usual six months i actually found out from one of our sponsors today uh gazelle which i will read an actual script for in a sec but they're going to give me 175 for my four that's awesome and that will pretty much once i start a new contract switching to verizon uh that'll pretty much take care of it and that that was a big uh big push to go ahead and be the early adopter guy.
1: Yeah, yeah, for sure. I uh, you know, I do a very similar thing.
0: Within my circle of actual physical real-world friends, I'm like even if I bought mine next year, I would still be the first to get one. I have a very luddite circle.
1: <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just because I have nerds who work work for me like everybody was excited when mine came in. That morning, you know, like from the UPS guy dropped it off. I had three nerds in my department in my office, like watching me unbox it. It was very strange.
0: Oh, sure. Well, in my the team that I work with uh, at AOL Tech would all be that way, but we don't work in the same office. So the actual people that I know in real life are they're not they're not like me in in geek ways like I have. a whole world of friends that I only know digitally that would that would flock to an unboxing, a live unboxing event. But yeah, I somehow all of my physical friends are of a completely different mindset. I don't know how I attained that circle of friends. Maybe there just aren't any geeks in my town. You live in a bigger city. You live in Memphis. I think you
1: probably have uh broader base yeah your setup's probably maybe a little healthier than mine though (laughs) i have some balance oh
0: mm, no uh if i saw those friends more than once a month you you might be able to say that (laughs) but i don't so healthy is not the word i would use (laughs) fair enough so anyway hardware wise uh you're, you're liking the iphone
1: 5 absolutely the the thing um that really just keeps blowing me away is the LTE. Uh, I've, I've been on Verizon for a long time and um, you know you always see the ads and like you have your like your cousin who has an Android phone who like raves about the LTE. but it really is like as good as they say. Um, I'm consistently clocking between 20 and 30 uh, down you know between five and 10 up, which is f- a good bit faster than my home internet. Like, this thing is in my pocket, and I have this everywhere. And it's sort of mind-blowing to me. Like, you can have that sort of connectivity on the go. Um, And that where Wi-Fi feels like a step backwards sometimes. Um, But it's just – the LTE is just super impressive. You're really seeing those speeds. Absolutely. And it's consistent. Now, we'll see what happens in a year when there's a ton of iPhone 5s on Verizon. You know, right now, there's not that many of us. But – it, it really is. I mean, I downloaded uh, Build Analyze earlier today, and it was, like, instant. I mean, it was faster than if I was on my Wi-Fi in my office. It was just, like, stamp of your finger, it's there.
0: Yeah, that's a very good reason for me to buy an iPhone 5 and switch to Verizon yeah, it's, right now. Yeah,
1: it's sort of hard to believe. Like, I keep, I keep like, downloading something or just browsing, and, like, it really feels like it's fake. Um, and that, that's kind of the whole, my whole thing with the iPhone 5, I think, is that it is a product of, of seemingly contradictory things like it's bigger but it's thinner it's bigger but it's lighter like it's it's mobile but it's faster than what i have at home like a lot of things about the iphone 5 don't make sense together but all in all i think it's a stellar device it really is so
0: back when uh back when razors the motorola razor was the rage and everybody had one uh Phones and mobile devices had continued down a path of getting smaller and smaller to the point where people were predicting that eventually they would just be, you know, like earbuds that you would Mm -hmm. talk on. Uh, And we started seeing those like on dick phones, those like uh, uh, Bluetooth headset phones. Um, No offense to anyone who walks around with one of those, but that's weird. Um, But Apple turned that around. Even the first iPhone was huge by comparison to other iPhone or other phones on the market at the time. And now they're making it bigger and you're seeing that trend kind of spread across all the other devices on the market.
1: You know, I think that, I think it's a really complicated thing. Um, I think it, it probably, you know, has a lot to do with the fact that we're doing more on these devices than we could ever dream of, like in the razor days. Um, And so when you have a device where you have your email, your maps, your calendar, you know, your whole social media thing. Um and like I like write blog posts on my phone. You know, this is really it's much less of a phone and much more of a computer. And I think that's um a very different thing than where we were before the iPhone. I don't know. I wrote a lot of blog posts on my Razor. The markdown support was so poor though. Um <laughs> but it was. the uh the um I think part of it too is just, you know, somebody in the market for whatever reason started it and all these companies kind of play and chuck and jive off each other. And so the whole market is kind of teetering towards a bigger screen size and maybe for like no good reason, maybe it's just someone started it. And so someone copied it. So someone else did it. But, um, you know, I've used bigger phones. I used the galaxy Nexus for a little while. That thing is, is 4.65 inches. I believe that's too big. I really think the four inch and it, it not being wider is so key. Like It's still really comfortable in your hand. You can still thumb type on it. Um, it really it, it doesn't feel like a, a big of a change as you think it would just on paper.
0: Okay, I have to uh, do our first sponsor, and I'm really happy to have the copy in front of me already uh, so I don't have to edit this in later. So uh, with no further ado, um, let's talk about Harvest. If you want to do great work, let Harvest take care of the back office tasks like time tracking, visual visual time reports, and invoicing so you can focus on delivering your best to clients. Time tracking is easy with Harvest. Simply start a timer from your web browser, desktop, or mobile device. It's the most painless way for you and your team to enter time. Harvest has other great features like visual time reports, and it can help you get your projects done on time and within budget, ensuring a successful project and a happy client. It does invoicing, too, and with just one click, you get a professional-looking invoice with multiple payment options so you'll get paid for all your valuable work. Try Harvest free for 30 days, and if you don't love it more than your current tools, simply let the trial expire. No credit card, no obligations. Go to getharvest.com slash 5x5 to create your trial. Once your trial expires, if you want to keep using Harvest, use code 5x5 at checkout, and you'll get 50% off your first month. That offer expires November fifteenth, two thousand twelve. I actually used to use Harvest when I owned an ad agency, and I do, I love them. It's a great tool.
1: Yeah, I, I do a little bit of side work, and it it it's the go-to app. It's so it's so good.
0: What I love most is that it has a decent API. Does it still have an
1: API where you can write your own tools to interface? Mm, that is beyond my pay grade, but. Uh, <laughs> Uh, uh, (laughs) So I don't know.
0: (laughs) Okay. I used to have fun writing, like, command line timer tools and everything with it.
1: That's because you're a math scientist.
0: Yeah. Okay. So the other thing that is relatively new in the hardware world, and you're a hardware guy, so I'm going to ask you, uh, have you seen or played with uh, Retina MacBook Pro?
1: I have. A, A friend of mine who has a similar job to me, actually at another nonprofit, Uh, bought one on, on, like, the first day they came out. Uh, I think he bought the middle of the road one, so it's not, like, the totally decked out, but it's not the base model. I have to say, like, it's really impressive. Um, You know, for for such a long time, Apple's notebooks have been basically the same thickness, like, even back to the late PowerBook days. They were always right around, like, the 1 to 1.2-inch thickness, and and this thing is so thin. It actually took some getting used to typing on it, because you know, if you're typing on like a MacBook Pro and then you go to a MacBook Air, you kind of have to adjust like where your hands go a little bit. And it was very, it was a very similar thing going to the retina. Uh, I use a, a full blown 15 inch MacBook Pro and, um, and even going to the retina, which is the same width, you know, basically the same computer, just thinner, um, uh, was strange, but the screen is just, uh, it, it really is like hard to believe it. You know, you know, like if you go into like Best Buy or something and they have like the stickers on the front of the demo phones, you know what I'm talking about? Like it's obviously like printed on there. That's what the Retina MacBook Pro looks like. It doesn't look like you're looking at pixels. It looks like you're looking at dots of ink. Um, It's, it's so sharp. It's so clear. and, And there's, there's no distortion because there's no glass on top of it or anything. It, it really looks like what like like if i have a, a document up in nv Alt, it looks like i have a sheet of paper taped to my to my display it's really really cool
0: <laughs> i've been putting a lot of effort into it, making my app marked uh retina compatible and uh mm-hmm. like i said it's one of those things where apple's changing uh kind of like software development thanks to new hardware and it, it, at some points it's kind of like you just let us you know stagnate and and live with what we have but at the other, at the on the other hand it's really exciting to have uh to work on a platform where they're constantly improving the capabilities to the point where you have no choice but to upgrade everything and i kind of like that yeah
1: absolutely and you know with apple they're, they're so good at making sure the tools are there to make that as easy as possible you know like i'm looking at envial now envial is probably like 97% text right like there's not a lot of Stuff to envy, alt right. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of chrome. <laughs> anything. And so, uh, which is the point, right? And um, and so the to have something you know where you aut- your text automatically looks good on the retina because OS Ten is really smart in the way that it maps fonts to pixels and all sorts of crazy things I don't understand because they involve math. Like it, you get that for free. Like if you update your graphics for your retina iPad app all you have to do is stick them in there and it knows which one to load. And it looks really good. Like they build these tools so you can make your stuff look good. Um, And you're totally right. We're in this weird phase where like hardware is driving that. And that's, that's pretty exciting to me.
0: Yeah. Um, So aside from the outstanding display, which I've seen in person, I saw it day one um, and it, it absolutely blew me away. The, the crispness and quality i did not however get a chance to really push the the cpu and and the processor to a breaking point and see what how how things flew basically have you have you experienced that
1: uh yeah we um i was helping this buddy of mine um get his school ready for the new year so we were building we were building uh images on this machine we we're you know compiling things and you know, it's easy to draw the conclusion or to draw the parallel between the MacBook Air and the Retina MacBook Pro because they're very similar in a lot of ways. But once you really start pushing it, it's like the MacBook Air, you suddenly realize it really is limited in a lot of ways. And the Retina MacBook Pro, like, it feels like you have a full Mac Pro. And you know that's because of the CPU, it's because the SSD is crazy fast. So especially things that are disk heavy, like, like when we're building images to, to image on a bunch of computers that's a very disk IO heavy thing. Cause it has to take all these packages and bundle them up and um, anything with heavy disk access uh, is just so fast. Um, and, and plus, what you kind know, they've got uh, the nice.
0: What... Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: No, it's fine. Um, you know, anything, anything CPU bound, like I, 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 it's almost like you couldn't find the edge of it. You know, it's like when you sit down at a, at a, at a decked out Mac pro like you say okay i'm going to push this to its limits but then you kind of run out of things to do before you get there so uh
0: how much ram did you you play with and i i think it maxes out at 16 gigs did you you said yours was more mid range though
1: yeah yeah so i think he had 8 in his uh which the ram is just 8 or 16 um but you know, I've got 16 in mine and, um, I don't know if I ever actually need that much Ram. I don't, I don't do a lot that pushes that most of what, what we're doing on the hardware end of things, especially is CPU and, and disc IO. Um, but the more Ram, the merrier, right? Like OS 10 loves Ram. Uh, even though it's really good at, at allocating it, uh, it could be better. And the more Ram you have, the more things you can do at once. Right. And that's extremely layman layman's, uh, uh, way of explaining it, it just makes everything smoother. And, um, so, you know, when you get a lot of really heavy duty things going on, like, like virtual machines, you know, you can spin up several virtual machines and have enough Ram for all of them and still be comfortable. So
0: I have a Mac pro and I only have, uh, this one has four gigs of Ram in it right now, which for a Mac pro is, is on the pitiful side. But I recently put an SSD in it as my boot drive. And the difference is insane. Um I, all the problems I was experiencing before with, with slowdown and apps crashing and um hangs all went away and the whole thing is amazing now. So I think in general for most people's applications, the SSD has become more important than the
1: Ram. Absolutely. And it's, it's in I'm in the same boat. I've got an SSD in my MacBook pro and, And it's important to remember when you, when you run out of your four gigs of Ram, like when, when all four gigs are wired to to some application, the OS starts swapping things out to the hard disk, right? So it's using hard disk space as if it were Ram again, super simple explanation. Um, So when you're on an SSD, like it's as fast as the Ram. And so in a way, uh, or nearly as fast as the RAM, I should say. Uh, in a way, it's like you have sort of unlimited RAM almost, because as the OS pages out and then pages back in from the what would be a spinning hard drive, it's doing it from solid state memory, um, which is, is seems infinitely faster. And so you you hit that wall, but you don't notice you hit that wall.
0: And that's awesome. Like I I love that we're heading in that direction. And I think I think there's a day coming relatively soon when we won't. Uh, we won't see spinning disks in our drives, uh, except for uh, applications that require massive storage, like video editing and everything. I think the average user is gonna completely uh, lose the uh, mechanical hard drive, and I'm really happy about that.
1: Yeah, and you know, from a repair standpoint, you know, uh, SSD, while it's still a little unproven, just because hard drives have been around so long. Um, you know, hard drives have a, have a, a, extremely high failure rate. Um, there's a lot of tiny spinning yeah. moving parts and tiny spinning moving parts break. And, um, while SSDs definitely do fail, they, um, you, you have less of that mechanical component and, uh, that, you know, as someone who has had to give people a lot of people, a lot of bad news about lost data, um, even on SSD, you definitely want to back up. But it, somehow like I, I rest better at night knowing my stuff's on an SSD. I'm not sure what, quite why that is. But it's definitely mechanically simpler. And anytime you can simplify something, uh, you are eliminating failure points.
0: Doesn't that have the same uh, like reverse token where the more mechanically simple it is, the harder it is to recover? Isn't it the complexity of platters and disks that make it possible to go in after a failure and and pull data back out
1: yeah absolutely and you know there's a lot of um there's a lot of great articles out there about how ssds actually store data on the on the material you know actually store the 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 zeros and ones if you will and um data recovery is more expensive off an ssd and it is more difficult um and i mean everything eventually will fail right I, i mean even on like the, the nicest SSD you can buy, your stuff's going to go away at some point because everything will fail. Um, that's where good backup solutions come in. But you're, you're absolutely right. With a hard drive, You know, say that the motor that turns the platter dies, where somebody like Drive Savers can go in replace that motor, and your, your data's fine, you just can't access it because the thing won't spin up. It's a little bit different story when you have solid-state flash memory.
0: Yeah. And that's a little scary. Did the, did the early SSDs have, I was told they had a one year lifespan and after a year it was uh touch and go as far as whether they would just evaporate. Was that true?
1: You know, you know, I've heard that, that figure. Um, I know I was at Apple when the first MacBook Air came out. Um, and I know, we, at the beginning we replaced a lot of SSDs, you know, that's sort of anecdotal, but um I think I think the, the technology has improved a lot since then and obviously it will just continue to improve. You know, hard drives used to be super unreliable and then they've gotten better over time. And this the same thing's happening with SSDs now. We're just kind of right in the middle of it.
0: Sure. Um my my two thousand oh, what was it? Two thousand ten MacBook Air. Was there two thousand eleven? How old am I? Uh, 2011 <laughs> MacBook Air recently, like, erased itself. Um, it, like, the drive just completely failed to respond to anything, but after I, uh, used the, uh, like, uh, recovery partition, mm-hmm. the drive is fine, and it's been running fine ever since. I restored the system from backups, and that, I don't know if that was, um, an SSD-related issue, or if something just wonky happened, but that was, like, a complete, complete re- reboot, uh, not reboot, but like recreation of my operating system was necessary because I lost everything on that drive.
1: Yeah. And You know, not to go all John Syracuse-a, Um, but there's uh, you know, there's a lot of issues with HFS plus, which of course is the, um, the scheme, the app that OS 10 uses to manage or store data. And so like, no matter how good an SSD is HFS plus still has a lot of issues. And so a lot of times what you'll see is a HFS, plus failure or some partition table failure that's a logical failure that's a failure of the bits not a failure of the media the bits are on and so you can reformat the drive and and sometimes get years of life out of it it's just that hfs plus you know uh didn't quite want to keep living if you will <laughs> trying to think of a not a way <laughs> that didn't involve a word to say that but, um, and so, and so sometimes you get in that weird situation where like, is this hard drive good or not? And sometimes a reformat will tell you if it reformats quickly and reinstalls quickly and, and runs, you know, runs okay. Then maybe it was just, a, a an issue with the formatting.
0: Yeah. Uh, the, with the way I treat my computers that there's a lot of possibilities, I shouldn't say treat them <laughs> with the way I, um, push them. It's not so much abuse as it is, uh, Yeah, it's abuse. I got no other (laughs) word for it. Um, So our second sponsor today is Gazelle, and that's the fast and simple way to sell your used iPhones, MacBooks, and other smartphones. Are you planning on getting the new iPhone 5? Before you get the new one, make sure you sell your used phone to Gazelle for cash, cash you can use to upgrade. Gazelle is really simple and fast to use. Go to gazelle.com, that's G-A-Z-E-L-L-E.com, Tell Gazelle the condition of your device, and they'll even buy broken iPhones for cash. You'll get a risk-free offer for your gadgets, and they lock in their offer for 30 days. Once you get your new phone, ship your old one to Gazelle, and they'll pay the shipping costs, and you'll get paid fast by check or PayPal. It's best to act fast because your iPhone may lose value every day that you wait. There are tons of great benefits to using Gazelle. You get paid fast, in cash, within a few days of your item being received. Gazelle's offers are good for 30 days, giving you time to get the new iPhone before you need to send in your current iPhone. Gazelle has paid almost $50 million to over 300,000 customers. They make it really easy and free shipping and no listing hassles. And if you're wondering what your iPhone is worth, take a minute and go to gazelle.com to find out. Okay. So like I said, I I did actually uh, go to Gazelle. Uh, I had never heard of them before they became a sponsor here. Um, and I'm super happy with the the offer they made, and they sent me a box already. It's sitting on my counter with postage paid. I just have to like throw my phone in there and hand it to the the postal guy and it's done
1: yeah I, I did the same thing this time and um it's so great you don't have to worry about like meeting a guy from Craigslist like at a gas station you know it's it's just clean and businesslike and efficient and they give you a great deal. I mean I, I really couldn't be happier with my experience with them. It's that guy from Craigslist that
0: is the reason I still have this pile uh dating back to the iPhone one. Uh I do not trust that guy.
1: Yeah, it's that's a good call.
0: Yeah, they are swarthy. I believe they do sell drugs. <laughs> so you uh I, I gave you a little, little heads up, like five minutes to think about uh some top three picks for the week. Did you uh come up with something?
1: I did. I've got I've got a- all three of them.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I barely scrapped mine together before this. <laughs> but um, I'll go ahead and start uh, because I have one that I feel has not gotten as much mention as it really deserves, and that's Clarify. Um, I don't know if uh, you ever see this, Stephen?
1: You know, I think I've seen it across my radar, but I'm not sure I've spent much time with it.
0: It's from the people who made screen steps, which is and was an amazing program for anyone who has to make screen-based documentation. Mm -hmm. So if, if you ever have to tell a client or a friend or a family member how to use, uh, a software service or, or a website, um, it it makes it so easy to scrap snap screenshots and then type in a little bit of text and ultimately build a PDF or output. Uh, they have a live service that can, uh display your documents and either way you go whether it's hard copy or online they're super easy to update you just save the original file and as you change things everything is uh is rebuilt and the online the I can't remember what I should have looked this up before the show. Um live I'll I'll come back to that in a second. Um because <laughs> I, I don't use it. I use PDFs uh, they're they're easiest for me, but the online service is really cool. So, um, I'll let you do your first pick, and then I
1: will clarify that. <laughs> okay, uh, my first pick is a uh, a WordPress iOS app uh, called Poster, just P O S T E R. And you know, there's several WordPress iOS applications. Uh, WordPress itself has a first party client, and what really sets Poster apart in my mind, or uh, three things. It's got uh, pretty good Markdown support, so it can convert Markdown to HTML. Uh, when publishing, you can preview Markdown, which is always nice. Um, but the two biggest things are you can edit the slug of the URL. So if you go to a story on uh, on my site, and you know anything after the, the first slash is, is called the slug, and you can edit that. So I usually like my slugs to be short. Sometimes I put jokes in my slugs or puns or... Um, uh, that maybe no one ever catches, but I think they're funny. Um, so you can edit your slugs in the app, and you can do um, oh, I've totally I've totally blanked on what it's called uh, the um, custom fields. So those of us that that run daring fireball style links, that's a custom field in WordPress, and you can you can set that up and paste the URL right in, and then WordPress knows what to do on the back end to make everything go where it's supposed to go. Um, so it's definitely the the most full featured iOS WordPress app that I've come across, and uh, it is on my home screen, and I, I use it daily. It really is nice.
0: It I totally agree. I was uh, I was handed a beta for it. Um, uh, the developer contacted me on Twitter, and I immediately I had just found um, I don't even remember what the other one was now. It, one had made a little more of a splash uh, in the blogosphere. Uh, and I had tweeted about it, that it looked really cool and it did look cool. But then, uh, he tweeted back about poster, which he had just, just finished up. And I was amazed. It's so elegant. So, uh, it, it, it's so, uh, by mm-hmm. really dig it, really dig it. And the, the markdown support is, is wonderful.
1: Yeah. And it, it's universal now. So it's on the iPhone and iPad. And and I haven't played with it. Maybe you have. Have you played with the Dropbox integration? I have not. Uh, a- what does that do? Apparently, it can pull text or HTML documents like from Dropbox. So, like, say that I had a post that I'd written in EnvyAlt, and I was going to wrap it up and post it on my phone. Uh, it can pull right from that, that Dropbox folder and pull right into Poster, um, which is pretty neat. Uh, so you know, so you're not like copying and pasting large chunks of Markdown or something on your phone. Uh, you can do it and it will just kind of automate it for you, which I'm going to, I'm going to, I might write something and not post it on my computer just so I can play with that. It really seems pretty neat.
0: I did. Uh, I'm looking at at my settings in poster right now and I did link a Dropbox folder, but I didn't ever play with it. So that sounds awesome though. As I move away from WordPress, (laughs) I, I discover awesome tools, but okay. Um, So my next one, uh, well, first let me go back and say that clarify it.com is, uh, is the sharing service that clarify provides. And, uh, it's different than the screen steps one, but it is a perfect way to, uh, to publish documentation. So moving on second pick is, oh, it's called pro metronome and only a certain portion of the population has any need for a metronome. Um, and by nature, a metronome a metronome app can only do so much. I mean, you'd only want it to do so much. Um, it, it ticks, right? Um, this one though, is beautiful. It has a, a visual like pulse mode that, that you can see even when things are too noisy to hear the clicks. And it also has a flash mode where the entire screen will flash white on the first beat. And it's a just for me, for someone with horrible natural rhythm, uh, and, and bad hearing, it is just a perfect app. And you can tap, you can just tap to start your, uh, your tempo. And uh, I guess that's really all there is to say. It's a gorgeous interface and, uh, a just perfect metronome.
1: Yeah, the, the screenshots really. I mean, this really looks like a really like rich interface. Yeah, really like nice tones. It kind of looks, you know, like you've got a little, some nice like smattering of color that looks like it'd be easy to see. It's really nice looking.
0: So, how uh, how much do screenshots influence your buying decisions on the App Store?
1: Mm, more than I would like to admit, I think. Uh, you know, I I would I will use an app that has a um, maybe one or two fewer features if the features it has are better laid out and easier to use, especially on something like the iPhone, right? Like you're using it on the go. It's not that big. Um, like it really needs to work well and look good doing it. And, um, so yeah, you gotta, you gotta have good screenshots. If, if you don't have screenshots and you know, like, you're a developer or you just have one or two, it always makes me kind of wonder like, what are you hiding behind this purchase button? You know? Have you ever
0: seen too many screenshots? like too much going on. And then you just gave up.
1: Uh, I'm sure I have nothing jumps to mind, but yeah, I, I kind of know what you're talking about. Like you see, like, I don't need to know what every setting panel looks like, you know?
0: Right. Right. Like what was the point of that screenshot? You're, you know, I just want to see it in action. I'll figure out the setting panel when I, uh when I download it. Yeah. But yeah, I have, I have no qualms with admitting that screenshots make every bit of difference to me. I can't, I can't use ugly apps without thinking about it constantly and I don't like apps I have to think about. Screenshots matter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So, what do you have for your next
1: pick? Um so so kind of to counterbalance poster, uh um I've been using uh gauges to track the uh web traffic at 512 pixels. And Google Analytics is is kind of the default everybody uses. And it's great, right? It's free. You can do custom stuff. But it, it's overkill for what I need. Um, really, I just want an overview of, you know, the day, the month, of the year. I want to know where people are coming from, like, you know, how they get here, and then what they're doing once they're on the site. And some demographic information, like what browser, what OS you're, you're using. I don't need a lot of really, like, custom, like, all the AdWords stuff that Google Analytics does. It's just lost on me. Um, so I switched to gauges maybe six months ago and um it's it is a paid deal so uh, uh i pay the 12 dollars a month um and uh it's great they have a, a really nice iphone app um, so you can check your stats on the go and uh it just gives me just the information i want in a really like clean environment again screenshots matter right like this analytics is one of those things like it's it can be so nerdy it's like you're looking at just a giant spreadsheet but gauges isn't like that. They, they really break it down where it's, it's easy to see and easy to understand what's happening without being overwhelming. Um, and I've been real happy with it. It seems real accurate run side by side with Google analytics, which is always nice. Um, and, uh, yeah, you don't, it's you, always
0: nice to know that what you've been using is actually telling you the truth Yeah, for or the last or, the, or
1: they're lying to you in the same way, you know, like <laughs> either one is fine. Um, but it's really Double nice. I, I've been, uh, I've been real happy with it.
0: Nice. Um, you remember? Have you ever used uh, Mint, yes. Sean Inman's?
1: Uh, I used to use Mint and uh, had a had some issues when I moved servers and never got back around to putting it back up.
0: That's exactly what happened to me. Um, great, it was. It was in its time. It was. Well, I should say in the time that I used it. I haven't seen it for a couple of years, but at that point, it was probably the best looking analytics you could get. And since then, a lot more have popped up, and a lot more. Uh, that don't require server install, but yeah. I haven't tried gauges. It looks awesome, though.
1: It's nice, and I know you're, uh, you know, moving away from WordPress. There is a nice WordPress plugin so you just plug in your API key, or it just works. Um, they just give you a little chunk of like JavaScript, I guess, to stick in your in your header, and so it's you know you don't have to be on WordPress for it to work. I've got running on a couple static sites, even. I have it running. Um, I have it running on my Tumblr because I just plugged the code into my Tumblr theme. And um, uh, it's really nice. I really, really like it.
0: That's awesome. All right. My third pick. It was going to be an app that's super powerful and complex and I love. But I'm feeling at last minute uh, like I want to go with something extremely simple and beautiful. Um, So I'm going to pick Permute. Uh, it's on the Mac and it's a, uh, video conversion app and I use it for creating, uh, web videos. Um, you can also use it for creating like iPhone and, uh, uh videos to go to iTunes and most major formats and you can add some custom settings and you can tweak it a little bit, but for the most part, you just drag your files onto it and it goes and it's fast and it's the only one that I've used so far that I've found truly reliable. As far as conversion quality and uh, not crashing go, plus it looks really great. Um, that one's—I'm pretty sure I had to buy it directly. I don't know if it's on the App Store, but I'll check that.
1: Yeah, this is, so. this really is nice looking. I, I like apps that kind of. There's kind of a resurgence of this on the Mac, I think, thanks to the App Store. Like, I'm sure Permute does many things. It has a lot of presets and stuff, but it basically just does one thing, and like you drag mm-hmm. the file in and it spits a file out. And I think that's sort yep. of. Simplicity is kind of making a comeback, and I think that's good.
0: Yeah, there was a there was a period where everyone wanted like one app. They wanted one app that would do, you know, within a genre of tasks that would do everything. And you still see that to some extent. But for me, I'm really digging the idea of having the right app for each task.
1: Hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think yeah. I think that's what the app store does, right? Cheap apps. Or not cheap, inexpensive apps that do one or two things, but do them really, really well, and like really deep dive onto those things. Um, I think that's a real benefit of the App Store coming to the Mac.
0: Also, the name of one of the most useful blogs in the world: One Thing Well. Mm-hmm. Love it. I could plug that every week.
1: I absolutely love that site.
0: It's it's my favorite my favorite two minute read every day. Uh, it's so easy to consume because everything's so short and every link is so useful. Except for the uh, Windows ones, I never, never uh, have anything to do with those. But, um, <laughs> but I pass them on sometimes. But they they're were. for everything: for Unix, for uh, for Mac, for Windows, Android, whatever. Like he just finds the best stuff.
1: Yeah, it's one of those. It's one of those sites. Like, I, I, a I wish I had the idea for that. You know, like I wish I had thought of it. But I'm kind of glad I didn't, because I would never have time to put, like, it's so much good stuff. It's like Yeah, he does, like,
0: four or five a day. And, like, at least four or five that I, I click on. Yeah. There may be more that I browse past. But, uh, yeah, like, the quality, to, to do that at the quality level he does, yeah, it's pretty cool.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay. All right. My turn again? It is. So uh, wrapping up my three and kind of making a nice little circle back to our hardware discussion is a little um, Mac utility called GFX card status. And now um, the uh, the Mac nerds will know that the MacBook Pros for many years, I think since maybe 2009, 2010, maybe even older than that, um, they come with two graphics cards, right They come with the one uh, the integrated, that's on the logic board, you know, usually are always less powerful. So it generates less heat, takes less power. And then there's a big old, uh, discrete video card that, you know, you, what you want to use when you're pushing a 27 inch display and pushing pixels around an, an illustrator. Um, and so what GFX card status does, it puts a little guy up in your menu bar and it just tells you, uh, what graphics card you're using at the time and you can switch. And so if, if I know that I'm going to be in the coffee shop, And I I really need to preserve my battery and my MacBook Pro not running buttery smooth isn't important to me at the moment. I can switch and say, you know what? I just want to use the integrated graphics. Don't use the big card. And it will tell you if it can't do it, it will tell you why. So it may say like, well, you're running Photoshop and Photoshop has a rule that says you have to use the discrete card. You know, so it'll tell you if it can't do it. So it's, it's, and that's a little nitpicky. You know, that's, that's pretty inside baseball for, you know, you want to control what graphics card your laptop's using. But in certain Mm -hmm. situations, it's really helpful to know, hey, I need to really push this MacBook Pro as hard as I can, or I need to let off the gas a little bit and see if I can get a little more time out of this battery. And, uh, I think it's free, which is, which is always nice too. Didn't, didn't, forgive me
0: if this is a stupid question, but didn't, uh, didn't changing your graphics card on older MacBook pros actually require a reboot?
1: Uh, they, on some of the older ones it required you to log out and log back in. Mm, and okay. I, I had one of those. And if I remember correctly, GFX card status worked around that where the OS could do it, but for some reason they made you log out. I think, I think the GFX card status worked around that, but, but these days that's not true anymore. The OS can switch on the fly. Um, and so I, I will. I'll usually find myself at least a couple times a week, you know, m- making a trip up to the menu bar to switch it. So
0: that's really handy. Quite handy. Do you remember? Do you remember um, an app? I haven't used it for years. I don't know if it exists anymore. But it was one that would let you control whether your Mac would run without a battery. Your MacBook Pro would run without a battery in it, and it allowed you to control and throttle like uh, the voltage
1: oh yeah that sounds familiar Um, i can't
0: i don't even know what to search for to find it at the moment
1: there's a lot of stuff like that like there's a smc fan control which you can manually set the parameters on your fans so like if you have a a, you know machine that runs in a hot room maybe you want to bump the fan uh, down some so it comes on sooner there's a lot of these little utilities that you can get in trouble with but if you use them sparingly and kind of know what you're doing uh can it can be nice little tweaks to your system
0: one of my favorite things about my system is that I don't have to know that stuff. (laughs) Like it, it, I like the whole, it just works thing. Yeah. That stuff seems like cool in concept, but I really would hate to be in a position where I had to constantly be tweaking things like my fan speed, like graphics and battery. That's, that's really handy. I can see that, especially for someone who switches kind of modes a lot, um, like work modes. But fan speed, I I really want to think that my computer can just figure out when it needs a fan.
1: Oh, absolutely. You know, all this stuff is fringe case, you know, stuff. It's it's not, you know, these little utilities, they're not designed for, you know, my mom to like it's it on her MacBook Pro and go to town with her fan speed. Like that would be terrible. <laughs> and they're really there just in those, for those people who do push their systems as hard as they can. You know, there are a lot of us who, who. Literally, like the faster this machine can get this done, the more I can get done today. And for those type of people, it's nice to have a little extra control at the edges.
0: Sure, I get it. I think, uh, I think I would be one of those people, but then I moved into uh, web development mostly, and now that I don't work with any video and I don't touch graphics a lot. I primarily work in plain text, and I could do it on uh, like a Trash 80 and do all right.
1: Yeah, I've got a, a clamshell iBook sitting here on my desk. I could chip it to you.
0: <laughs> that was before my Mac time, but I've, I've heard tell.
1: It runs OS 9 really fast.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I do remember OS 9. I had to use OS 9. It was part of the reason I used to dislike the Apple line. That's understandable. and it was it was uh os 10 that actually drew me over the line and like from the first time i sat down and used a unix based uh system that wasn't like uh x windows Mm -hmm. i was in love i never i never bought another pc again so
1: anyway Uh, that's cool man It's fun. It's fun being a nerd. It's a good time. It's a good time to be a nerd. So it's got to, you need to embrace it. I do embrace it.
0: And I, I want to evangelize the idea of, uh, networking, programming and nerding out on Macs. Like I've spent so many years of my life talking about how Macs are for designers. And if you want to do anything powerful, you need, you know, Linux, but it's so not true anymore. I, I, it's hard for me to explain to hardcore PC IT departments, but I, a Mac uh, the operating system is m- more powerful in my opinion. But
1: yeah, I mean I, I run into that, you know, every day. I mean, I'm a, I'm an Apple nerd I and mean, I have a dog cow tattoo. Like I'm hardcore, right? And and I work at, my larger corporation is is all Windows, and so I'm kind of like the weird IT guy in Memphis who runs Macs. You know, I've like kind of I'm kind of <laughs> that guy now. Um, but at the end of the the day, right? Like all this stuff we've talked about today, all the the LTE and GFX card stats, all this stuff, like they're just tools to get work done. And it's just uh, the way that I think you and I, and obviously millions of people have found to get work done the most efficient way or the way that's most pleasing to them. And that's what it's all about. Agreed. Agreed. And well, and the great
0: thing right now is that I have the ability to create software tools to improve my workflow without spending so much time worrying about operating system and hardware and things have smoothed out to the point where now I get to be, I I would, I would equate what I do uh, programming wise to tweaking fans. Like I take problems that may or may not actually be apparent to people and then spend hours trying to find uh, ways to make them completely invisible to people. Mm -hmm. And I enjoy, I enjoy that uh, the way that I would assume some people like tweaking their fan speeds.
1: <laughs> yeah, you know, it's, it's all about finding those problems that, that we're geared towards solving. And, um, and, you know, different people do that in different ways. But uh, collectively, we can all um, grow from it and all benefit from it at the end of the day.
0: So are you doing uh, hardware support for PCs in your day job?
1: I am PCs and Macs. Uh, we're, we're about 30% Mac right now. Um, that might be a little high even. Uh, so yeah, doing hardware support, doing software support on both platforms. Um, now I've got a, I've got a staff member who's full-time windows. Uh, so he's handling like the Windows server stuff. That's, that's kind of out of my league, but uh, I spend days in both camps, you know, there's good things about both platforms, but uh, I'm definitely a Mac guy, you know, I'm, I have an HP at my desk, but it's always off. I'm always on the MacBook Pro. Um,
0: have you kept up with uh, with the Windows releases, op- uh, full operating system releases?
1: I have. I've we've got a machine here running Windows 8 so we can start getting used to it. And uh, Windows 8 is bonkers, dude. It's crazy. Is it? um, like in a good way? Mm, in a way that might be difficult to teach people. I think ultimately it's good. I think they need to, to move forward and i think metro does that really nicely but at the same time like i'm terrified of like our you know we have an accountant on staff who's in her 50s like how am i going to teach her metro like she did, the start button went away and she's going to freak out um and so perfect it's perfect time
0: to switch her to a mac i
1: know right um but uh so th- there's going to be a learning curve with windows 8 um, and what's interesting is hardware manufacturers are spending a lot of time, like doing touch laptop, tablet thingies, and I mean all sorts of crazy hardware is coming out too. So it's a very interesting time to be watching Microsoft from the outside. Um, but uh, I think they're going to have an uphill battle with eight, unfortunately, getting people to adopt it and, and get used to it. Are
0: they? Um, I think I heard at some point chatter about uh, Windows eight also being basically the same OS on windows phone as it is on the desktop is that what is that correct i
1: I think there's a lot of core code that's the same i mean there's no like desktop environment on the phone obviously but i think my my understanding is if you write like a metro application for a pc it's not that much work to get it running on mobile um and that's what they need right like they need a compelling environment for developers because they don't have that right now and so, if, if you can go to a developer and say, "Look, if you develop a Metro app that was going to run on tablets, PCs, desktops, laptops, and phones, and you have to tweak it minimally to make it work across all these devices," that seems like a good thing to me. Um, so, hopefully, that'll get the get the fire going with some developers because without, so- I mean, look at again, WebOS, which was great, but there was no software support for it, and so it didn't go anywhere. And um, so, you know, Microsoft needs to fix that. Quite honestly. I-
0: and somehow getting sweaty and shouting about developers didn't uh, didn't drive everyone to to do that. Um, I hope that I hope that improvements in the OS do actually uh, broaden the environment for developers. I think there are a lot of people who avoid programming and and uh, marketing for Android and Windows uh, because it's not as smooth and compelling an environment. And I think that should change.
1: Yeah, and you know it, it's interesting too. A lot of Apple fans, I think, look at Microsoft and kind of are cheering that Windows 8, you know, could be trouble. And I I think, I understand that. I think that's fine. But I think at the same time, like, a a healthy Apple requires a healthy Microsoft and a healthy Google and a healthy Amazon. Like, the whole big ecosystem between these companies exists in sort of a fragile state. And if, like, Microsoft goes away or if Amazon goes away, that takes pressure off of Apple to continue to do its best work. And so, like Microsoft, we should want Microsoft to do well, um, and we should want these other companies to do well, both in hardware and software. So the company that, you know that we call home, Apple, uh, continues to have really good competition in the marketplace.
0: I 100% agree. i I don't want to see uh, I don't want to see the major competitors obliterated. Uh, not only because that would remove the impetus for innovation, but also because I fear. What would happen to any company should they be last man standing? Mm-hmm. Like the whole "absolute power corrupts absolutely" thing. Absolutely, <laughs> it's just—it's kind of a, a a scary notion to think someone has no competition; they can do whatever they want.
1: Yeah. Well, you look at Microsoft in the '90s, right? Like Windows ninety-five, Windows ninety-five came out. Uh, the low-cost PC came out, and Microsoft dominated. Apple was in single digits. You know, before Steve Jobs came back, Apple had fa- very famously had what like 90 days of cash in the bank. I mean, they were almost dead, and that, in many ways, hurt Microsoft. They didn't innovate during that time. You know, 98 was coasting on 95, and XP, in a lot of ways, was coasting on 95 and 98. And um, and even though they had some really cool stuff going on with like Windows 2000 and some server stuff, they didn't really capitalize on that like they could have, and it, it's now costing them dearly. Yeah. And so the same thing could happen to Apple where Apple's on top, apple's on top for a long time and they get comfortable with that and while they're being comfortable, someone comes up behind them and 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 grabs the land you know grabs the land out from underneath them.
0: Here's the difference to me between uh, late 90s Microsoft and current Apple mm-hmm. is Microsoft got to their behemoth status by by uh, is putting their operating system on the, on widely sold and, and marketed machines that they didn't have to create. Like it was pure software that they they owned a market for. Whereas Apple has an expensive, like well-crafted operating system that only works on hardware it sells. And they they're controlling, they're selling a product on its merit to me rather than, forcing people to use it. Although as I say that, I realize you can't buy a Mac without using Apple software, (laughs) but they're not like, it's still, it's still at this point, it's a choice. You have to choose to go Apple. Like you're not going to walk into most businesses and be handed a Mac. Sure. I think, whereas with windows, it was just a given that they were just going to sell it to every enterprise and every, and most home users. It seems like a different a different ladder they're climbing.
1: Yeah, you know, Microsoft in the '90s was a powerhouse in financials and in market share. Right, they had all the money and all the computers. Right. Well, with Apple, they're leading the market in the financial end of things. I mean, they're the most valued company on the planet, but they're not leading it in, especially on the on the desktop. They're not leading it in market share. And that's where that difference comes in. Like they're still very much the underdog in some ways, except when it comes to who has the biggest pile of cash,
0: <laughs> the things that actually matter.
1: Yeah, I mean, who cares if you got fourteen, fifteen percent, whatever OS ten is at these days? I have no idea. Um, when you got a, literally a bajillion dollars in the bank, right? It, it like, I,
0: I think if if I were in Apple's position, I would be completely ignoring those numbers
1: yeah I think they do i really I really think they they apple they say this all the time right they want to build uh, the best product they can and sell it at the at the best price they can, but if that doesn't if that means they don't take over the world, they're okay with it because they want to make something they're proud of and that their customers enjoy and that's you know Steve Jobs very famously said that the problem with Microsoft is they have no taste and <laughs> and uh, I just I love that quote. not just because it bashes Microsoft, but because it really encompasses exactly what we're talking about. You know, all the way back from our hardware discussion earlier to to this, like, there's just a difference concerning Apple and its products compared to other companies. And I don't mean to say that to romanticize Apple. Um, I was very guilty of that when I worked there, and I'm very careful about it today not to romanticize them. But they do have class. There's a difference. And I think customers like that and ultimately that's why they have so much cash in the bank.
0: Good times. All right. Well, we have one more sponsor. Um and that would be Mailchimp and their easy email newsletters. Mailchimp helps you design email newsletters that you can share on social networks, integrate with services you already use and track your results. It's your own personal publishing platform. They give you they help you customize your sign up form to match your brand so you can share it on your website and integrate it into your Facebook page. You can even collect signups from an iPad or laptop. Importing an existing list into MailChimp is a snap, no matter how it's formatted. You can personalize everything your subscribers see, including signup forms and confirmation emails. There's never been a better time to try MailChimp. You can send up to 2,000 emails to 12,000 people for free. Just visit MailChimp.com slash 5x5 to learn more. And that is officially the shortest ad copy I've ever read. Short mm-hmm. and sweet. I have actually used MailChimp. And as far as email newsletters go, if you have to send an email, an HTML email, it's uh, it's a preferable way to do it. But there's nothing preferable about designing an HTML email.
1: No, I use them now. And uh, I have to say that, I mean, HTML email is a pain. But their templates are really good. And, like, they can look at your site and, like, pull... Uh, elements from your site, and they they really do they do everything they can to simplify what really is a pretty complex thing.
0: To me, HTML emails is the bane of any designer's life, and Mailchimp does just take that all away, and they do a great job with it. Well, um, I think uh, I think we are at an ending point. Sounds good. So thanks thanks a ton for putting up with some weird phone issues and and uh, some extra time here
1: no i'm glad to do it i really enjoyed our conversation
0: that was a blast um so definitely if you want to read about anything apple hardware related uh, as well as some great news check out 512pixels.net and find him as ismh on twitter and app.net and pick up a copy of bartending at 512pixels or on amazon for kindle and that's it for this episode have a great week